Matthew chapter 6, 26 through 34. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet the heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of those. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So sitting down the last couple weeks as I've prepared for this morning, I often, I make sure I start with prayer. Of course, that's where we need to go to first, right? Um, Prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of who he is. He's our amazing father. He is our incredible God. He is holy. He is love. And my firm foundation. And then I pray that he would help me to just organize my thoughts because they can go everywhere. (laughs) To know his word, to know his promises, and to recognize his truths that he has for me. And then I remembered to pray, Lord, help me to recognize any worry or concerns I may be holding on to. Because when you teach about um, why do we worry, (laughs) you get to share, you probably should do that, Uh, right? So I love how God simply brought to mind a truth that he's been teaching me over the last few years. And um, I know I've mentioned it before, but I needed to hear it again, so maybe you do as well. And that is, precious child of mine, you can do hard things. You can do hard things like preparing for a sermon. You can do hard things uh, like giving a sermon and standing in front of you, because it's much easier, as I've said, to stand up here and sing. (laughs) It's a lot harder to speak for me. But precious child of mine, you can do hard things. I can do these hard things because I don't do it alone. He does the hard stuff with me. He does it through me and in me. Thank goodness for our amazing God. So apparently I was just a little bit concerned. (laughs) I wouldn't say worry is the right word because I knew he would help me bring it all together in the end. Um, I wasn't dwelling on that end result. Um, just concerned for myself and distractions that happen. I hate to be a distraction, and, and I'm working on that um, because, let's see, I won't say that yet. <laughs> so anyway, I looked at the word worry. I love word studies. Um, there are so many definitions in the dictionary. Uh, the first, these are just, literally, these are just the tip of the iceberg because there are so many definitions about worry. It's horrible. To choke to strangle, to torment, to subject to persistent or nagging attention, to afflict with mental distress or agitation, to make anxious, 
to move, proceed, or progress with difficult effort, to struggle. So I don't know about you, but to choke or torment stood out to me hugely. Those are horrible descriptions, and I would never wish the torment on any of my family or friends or let alone myself. Because what that does is it invades our, our very beings, our thoughts, our hearts, and soul. How debilitating worrying can be to our mental health as well. And physically, the effects it has on our bodies and how we function daily. A few years back, I had some issues uh, with my stomach that just suddenly came on and would not leave me be. <laughs> um, and I just thought, what is going on? Okay, I'll, I'll get rid of the dairy. I got rid of the dairy. Um, still symptoms. Went in to have, literally, that when you do the colonoscopy thing, you do that when you're 50, right? So I did it. I was good. I did it just after I was 50. And then I had to have a second one within five months. So yeah, so first colonoscopy to a second one just to try and figure out if they could figure out what was going on in my stomach. It was horrible. Um, but still do it. Uh, right? <laughs> but then I had a sweet friend over at the medical clinic where I work, um, somebody I've gotten to know, and she just has a very sweet spirit. And she leaned over the counter and she said, Jimeline, have you ever wondered if you're just stressed? And I was like, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> stressed? I don't do stress. <laughs> um, I really seriously thought that. I don't do stress. I don't even know how to recognize stress, apparently, in my own body. It needed to hit me hard. Um, and what in the world am I stressing about? So uh, within a week's time, I literally had a doctor and a dear friend look at me and say, Jimeline, uh, totally unrelated, Jimeline, you know you don't have to be perfect, right? And I was like, what? And then the tears start to form in your eyes, and you're like, what is this? <laughs> and then the second time happens within that week, and somebody says the exact same words, and these are godly people. And I, what? So, uh, I needed to take notice and start to reflect on what was going on in my life and to just really pray because um, my insides seemed to be just fine, but uh, what I was allowing to be in my insides wasn't okay. So I feel like worry and anxiety had slowly creeped into my being without even knowing it. It's scary stuff. It's perfect, perfect circumstances for the devil to creep in and mess with us. The conjurer of distorted thinking. So by the way, I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not perfect yesterday, today, or tomorrow. I will not be perfect until the day I die. Restored thinking and processing with the help of our gracious God, has literally healed my body. Um, and once I figured it out, I was fine. Um, <clears throat> and not just my body, but he restored my heart and my mind and my soul, which is pretty awesome. So there's one more description that I didn't share from the dictionary, and that is mental distress or agitation. 
from concern, usually for something impending or anticipated. Future stuff. That looks like a lot like predicting the future to me. I don't think we're in the business of doing that, right? The only thing I know we can predict is that our Lord and Savior, he is coming again. Amen? Amen. And that is we're thinking about and dwelling on. The other, not so much. A silly memory come, came to mind the last couple of weeks. Um, silly now, not so much back then. But um, I would say something to Brett going, oh, I'll just be so sad if this happens, or, oh, I'll be so mad if, if this is what actually happens next week and whatever, or, oh, thinking about the future. And he says, he said to me, very simply, um, why do you predetermine how you are going to react or feel? Like, seriously, why do you do that to yourself? We have no idea the outcome or how God might work through this. It makes so much more sense in my more mature adult self than it did back then, <laughs> which is cool. But I was also reminded of a verse that our church in Sacramento also went through for months, it seemed. It was said every Sunday morning during that study, and it was, um, we were reminded of the power of prayer and where our focus needed to be. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Another word study, the Greek word study for anxious in this uh, passage, is do not meditate. Do not meditate on he, promised to give, he promises to give us that peace, which helps us to manage our anxiety, our thoughts, which in turn protects our thinking and emotions. This verse simplified for me as a young adult was, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. It has been seriously engraved on my heart. Um, but the power of this verse has become so evident to me in the last few years, how he loves, how he loves when we come to him with thanksgiving, and lay our worries and burdens, concerns, anxieties at his feet. In doing so, we are surrendering all to him, knowing that he can handle it. We don't have to carry it. When we do this, he promises his peace, and that's that perfect, complete peace that only he can offer. It's that shalom that will guard our hearts and our minds. Let's look at that passage that Logan read for us earlier, Matthew 6, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So I love birds. I love listening to them. I love feeding them. Well, most of them. In Luke, in Luke the same similar passage, he actually mentions the ravens and the crows. I'm not too keen on the ravens and the crows, but um, the sounds that they screech about of our house, they literally surround our house in treetops and squawk horribly back and forth, very loud at very early hours in the morning. Um, I'm, yeah, it's horrible. You know it. I'm sure you've heard it. <laughs> and I'm sure it's some kind of love language in raven speak, talk, but it's not my love language. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, back to the sweetbirds. If you've watched recently, because of the weather we've had, they are abundant. And they've been picking up the seed and picking up little branches and twigs, which I'm sure they have to, they think it's spring, right? So we think it's spring. Um, but the storms and the wind that we have felt in the last month um, provide food. You just see them, it's scattered all over. God provided that for them. He feeds every single one of them. Are we not much more valuable to him than the birds? Us who have been created in his own image. He loves us. He adores us. Verse 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Anyone? It may seem like we have added a whole entire week, as far as I'm concerned, a month or year to our lives while worrying, because worrying seriously slows time down. It does not speed it up. We stop living when we start worrying, and when we aren't living, the days become longer. The time passes painfully slow. There's no way we can add a single hour, or minute for that matter, worrying about our life. In fact, there, there have been studies done, of course, on people to determine the effects of worry on um, persons with anxiety, distress, and worry. One study I looked at was done in England about 10 years ago, a survey of like 68,000 adults over the age of 35, and they were separated into four groups. One, no worries, distress, anxiety, mild, moderate, severe stress, anxiety. The outcome and the results of the study were sad. And I won't go into it, but um, common sense tells us there is nothing healthy about worrying, whether mild, moderate, or severe. It is sin. And if we hang on to it, and if we hang out there, we diminish the life that God has given us. We cannot live fully in a life darkened by worry. The, verse continue, the passage continues, and why do we worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So I not only enjoy the birds, but I love my garden. I love the flowers that color the landscape. It brings life to it. And I think of the comparison of the flowers that we see to, the, to Solomon's splendor. Solomon's splendor was extravagant. It was abundant. It was extreme. All of Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold. There were shields with an extravagant amount of gold placed on them. And the throne of ivory overlaid with pure gold, that literally is just the tip of the iceberg. There was so much. It was abundant. And that um, true abundance, yet the flowers of the field are more extravagant than all of Solomon's riches. The simple, beautiful flowers are such a good reminder of how much our Father lavishes on us. We see this very promise in the first half of 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. 
And that is what we are. We are his children, created in his own image, and how he cares for us so abundantly. Moving on. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows our needs and provides for every single one. The world's view, as Jesus mentions, are focused on the things of earth. Clothes and how they look in those clothes. The food and the drinks that they consume abundantly. The cars, the houses that are treasured. Every little thing that is treasured. Now, I'm not going to say that I don't like some cute clothes, because I do. But that, if that is where my attention goes, I have truly lost my focus on God. So, again, the Greek word study for worry in this passage is simply a worry for basic provisions, a worry that distracts us from the Lord. Our almighty God even takes care of the basics we need every single day of our life. He is so abundant in that. He's, he's so willing to give it to us. Verses 33 through 34. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The beautiful thing that I have found out um, most amazing while preparing for this sermon um, is hanging out in God's word. His truth and his promises are revealed so clearly. And I've spent hours at a time, and that's the beautiful thing is when you're being, when you're preparing to give a sermon, one day there was nine hours, nine hours, I was in his word. Who gets to do that besides Pastor John? Yeah. <laughs> it is amazing, the, the preciousness that comes from it. Oh, my goodness, just hanging out in his word, his truth, his promise, so revealed. Um, I don't get that time every day. Uh, I don't, I'm pretty sure you all don't either. Um, but this time was able to be set aside and time where I um, could just focus on the passage. And I literally had a circumstance just two nights ago, Friday night to be specific. And I, I, had, it, I had it done pretty much, thought I did. And Friday night, I literally woke up to just music playing through my head over and over and over. It's the same song for a while and then a new song and it would play beautiful songs. Um, and then I was like, okay, I am not going to sleep. I am very wide awake. And then literally what came to me is, Lord, you know my tomorrow. I don't. And apparently I'm awake now. I have a feeling I need to go sit down. <laughs> and so I did. So I got up. I went and sat down at the table and uh, just tidied it up and put the you know, final touches on what he wanted me to put down. And guess what? Yesterday... As wonderful as yesterday was, it was a time of busyness. It was a time of going and coming, which was, again, amazing. But God knew that. God knew my timing, and he knew I needed to be awake, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Uh, so this focused time, no matter how long or how brief, focusing on his kingdom and his righteousness is what protects our thoughts 
There's no need for me to worry about tomorrow or fret about yesterday. There's no need for me to be concerned about today when I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I don't need to worry about what I'm going to eat later today, although it is Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm looking forward to enjoying some Super Bowl food. Um, And then I don't need to worry about what I'm going to wear, especially since Peyton Manning of the Broncos has retired, and I have gently packed away my number 18 football jersey. So those from Colorado understand my love for Peyton Manning. (laughs) I don't need to focus on tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Everything will fall into place, even if he decides to wait to answer those prayers and petitions. Remember Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, or do not worry about anything and pray about everything. Keep offering up, keep offering up those prayers and petitions to him. With thanksgiving, knowing he will give you an answer in his time. The struggle of worrying is real. It can cause a physical reaction like stomach issues. I've known a sweet thing or two to break out in hives from head to toe, from anxiety, stress. And the mental and emotional reactions from worrying are just as debilitating. Depression, panic attacks, lack of self-confidence, and I'm sure some of you can name more. The struggle of worrying is physically and mentally exhausting. After these last two years, I'm sure most of you can say you've had your moments of worry, distress. We are humans, after all. We are not perfect. We are a work in progress. Thank goodness. My hope is in him alone. Amen. He's been faithful. He's been good all our days. He will be good. Our days left here on this earth. Our hope is in him alone. When you feel like he isn't paying attention, you may worry. When your prayers you feel aren't being answered, you worry. When your heart is heavy and you're just exhausted, why do you worry? I love that God has given this passage in Matthew. Beautiful, tangible reminders of his abundance. His very fingerprints, not ours, his. In plain view. The birds of the air and how he feeds them, the flowers of the field that do not labor or even spin, the clothes we wear, the food we eat, it's all from him. We do not need to worry. I'd rather enjoy the abundant and gracious provisions my father lavishes on me instead of entertaining in the foolishness of worrying and living in sin, tortured by anxiety, worrying about things to come and fretting about things in the past allows a foothold for the devil to enter and wreak havoc on our lives. 
If we can flip our brain from thoughts of worry, instead focus on our Father's abundance of provisions he gives us daily. The opportunities then that we have to shine his light in the darkness of this world are eternal. I was reminded this last week, and I've shared it with the worship worship team, that we are his messengers. How we forget that we are his messengers. Messengers of his truth, his promises, and his abundant love. We are not messengers of doubt and worry. We have not been called to be messengers of doubt and worry. We are his messengers, and what a privilege to be that messenger. Our God is faithful. He is a promise keeper. He is our redeemer. And guess what? He's committed to you. He's committed to you every moment of the day. So I had a moment um, just a short while back with Drew's girlfriend, Erica, and she was sharing something that she'd learned from a pastor just a bit ago. And she told me, this is what he said, as we get out of bed, the minute our feet hit the ground, the battles of this world have begun. Now, that doesn't give you permission to not stick your feet on the ground in the morning. But I think it's just a beautiful, simple reminder. There are battles that we need to fight every day, whether physically, emotionally, however that looks for you. Um, But what is your battle? Maybe it is the battle of fretting about yesterday and the things that didn't go just how you planned. The battle of concerns you have for today or you are looking to tomorrow in the battle you feel the future holds. The simple reminder of our feet hitting the ground and knowing the battles of this world have begun for the day may be a reminder to you to change your focus. How are you going to choose to face those battles this week? God is waiting for you to fight them with you, to give you the strength to just do that, to simply fight those off. Thank you.